Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, now go into all the world and teach and baptize and make disciples until I come. And lo, I'm with you always, Jesus said in Matthew 28. And then remember last week we talked about in Romans, pardon me, John chapter 20, when Jesus told the disciples, he said, come here, fellas. And he breathed on them and said, receive ye the spirit. And then he told them to go tarry and wait after they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when you understand that, 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 that God has given you the commission to go into all the world, when you understand that your purpose is to take the gospel to the world, and you are to do that in the power of the Holy Spirit because you have received the Spirit. Saints, might I submit to you, that's all the purpose you really need. See, Christians, that is our purpose. We need not buy another book on what it means to be purposeful. Listen, if, you, if you're reading Rick Warren and you love it, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but what I am saying is that don't miss your purpose. Your purpose is to preach the gospel. The early church's purpose was to preach the gospel. They preached the crucified, resurrected Christ. As a matter of fact, they preached it so hard, most of them lost their lives. All of them, by the way, lost their lives preaching about the purpose of the gospel. Want to talk about purpose? Well, let's keep our purpose in line and our priorities in line. And our purpose is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what will change the world. This is what will make a difference as they touch the world with the gospel. The early church, they had so little and so few, and yet they accomplished so much. The church today has so much and so many, and yet we accomplish so little. Isn't that interesting? Why? Well, I think because they understood something that we tend to forget. Zechariah 4, don't miss it. Wednesday night we'll be in Zechariah 4. Zechariah 4 says what? Not by might, you know it. Not by might, nor by power. You know it, say it with me. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, they understood that it is not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. And isn't it interesting, with all that we have available to us, we still haven't reached the world with the gospel. Don't you know? I told you just a couple of weeks ago, I'm in India and I'm 4,800 feet above sea level, and I'm meeting people in various villages that have never, do you know there are people on the earth today that have never heard this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? There are people who have never heard it. I don't believe there's anybody in the United States that's never heard it. You know, people, I've never heard the gospel before. Not if you live in this country. If you live in this country, you have heard it. Now, you may not have been listening, but you heard it. We got radio and TV and DVDs and Bible teaching and churches and, and you name it. You heard the gospel. You'd open your ears. 
But there are people in many, many countries around the world that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, saints, we are not depending on the Holy Spirit in the church today. We are not looking to the Holy Spirit. I think the church largely today has lost its power. They have lost its power. I don't think the church, and I know that there's a lot of talk about we're the powerful church. And I know that people like to talk about the powerful church because that's an exciting message. I mean, we're the powerful church. You know, power, we need power. Power in the name of Jesus. We all have power. Got a sermon on power. You know, people love to talk about power. You know, they love to talk about power, but the problem is we ain't got none. Amen. You see, let me tell you what a powerful church is. Let me tell you what a powerful church is. A powerful church is a church that is lifting up and exalting the name of Jesus. You agree with that same amen? That's a powerful church. See, I think we really got it messed up. We believe and think that somehow a powerful church is a church that's exciting. We, we think that a powerful church is a church when you come in, you know, there's excitement going on, the music's going, and people are, you know, swinging from the ceiling and jumping over the chairs. And you remember the Blues Brothers, people were flipping in the front, you know, doing back off flips and stuff, you know, lady with the hat, and they're like, yeah, 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 and doing the catch back, yeah, you know, you know, we, we go, man, that's a powerful church, man, you get them, they, they powerful in there. And you know, there's dancing bears and things are going on, and there's, it's like, da, 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 da. You know, and, and, we, and you, you know, you the, the, the hype and the excitement and all of these things, and we equate these things to power. And we, we say, oh, that's powerful. And then we leave the church service and you walk out and you go, oh, man, were you in service? Oh, yes, it was awesome. Did you feel the spirit? Oh, my goodness, it was so, the spirit was high, which I don't know what that means. But, but I heard it. The spirit was high. Oh, it was, oh, goosebumps, oh. Oh, oh, this, woo, you know, and people are like glowing and stuff. And it's like, you know, we think this is the powerful church. Might I say to you that a powerful church is not a church that is exalting the Holy Spirit. We must understand something. Jesus said himself that the spirit has come to testify of him. In other words, you know it. In other words, the work of the Holy Spirit is to point you to Jesus. So if Jesus is over there, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, fellas, everybody, look, worship Jesus. Go this way, this way. Jesus, go that way. Jesus, go worship Jesus. And we're like, oh, yes, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit say, no, worship Jesus. Sing to Jesus. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose again. Holy Spirit saying, Jesus is coming back for you, so worship him. The Holy Spirit's job in the world today, in the church today, is to point us to Jesus. Don't you remember in Revelation chapter 2, to the church at Ephesus, Jesus said, I know your works, I know your labor, you have patience, you don't put up with evil, you've become, you haven't become weary, but he said, but this I have against thee, that you have lost your first love. You see, your first love to who? The Holy Spirit? No, your first love to Him. 
So a church that is a powerful church is a church who is walking out the door and they say, oh my gosh, did you hear what the Lord said? To me? Did you hear that word? Did you hear when, when, when this word went forth and that word and Jesus is speaking to my heart? Do you see, this is a powerful church when people are walking out the door talking about the word, walking out the door lifting up the name of Jesus, walking out the door talking about the goodness of our Lord. That's a powerful church. Don't be deceived. Because all the feelings and the fluff and the hype, man, that's like cotton candy. You ever eat a piece of cotton candy? It's nasty. (laughs) It's all big. It's pretty. But as soon as you put it in your mouth, it's gone. It's like sugar. You see, nothing will satisfy your life like walking with Jesus. Amen, saints? Nothing. It was Jesus himself who said in John 15, 26, but when the Holy Spirit comes, the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Well, verse 1. We're getting there. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're still breathing, say amen. Amen. Look at verse 1. The former account... We're going to get there, y'all. The former account I have made, O Theophilus, underline that, of all that Jesus began to do, circle that, and to teach, circle that, until the day, in verse 2, in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering by, underline this, many infallible proofs, being seen that word seen is a Greek word, optomai. We have the word optometry, ophthalmology. It literally means in the Greek language, to eyeball, to eyeball. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being eyeballed by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Luke begins this book writing, did you know, to a guy named Theophilus, Theophilus. And note, this writing is after a former treatise, some of your Bible says, or a former account, or a former writing, a former letter. So this first account is the first account, this is actually a second account, the first account is found in the Gospel of Luke. I want you to turn there real quick, hold your finger there in Acts, and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Because we'll see this first account. This is the second account. Then here's the first account in Luke chapter 1. Look at Luke chapter 1, if you will. Turn there really quickly. And notice in Luke chapter 1 now, this first account, in verse, uh, and you pick up in verse 1. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Are you there? And as much in verse 1, as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been re- fulfilled among us, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered to them, to us, it seemed good to me also, Luke says, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent, there his name is again, Theophilus. Why? That you may know the certainty of the things in which you were instructed. So, if you're taking notes, you can certainly write this down. The book of Acts is the second account. 
The book of Acts is the sequel account to the gospel of Luke, part two. It's a continuation of the gospel of Luke. And he is writing to one man. The gospel of Luke is written to one man. His name is Theophilus. The, the book of Acts is written to one man, the same man. His name is Theophilus. Who is Theophilus? His name means, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. His main name means lover of God. Theo, lover, or Theo, God, and, and Philus, lover. Could be God friend, friend of God, lover of God, or God lover, either way. And many scholars believe that Theophilus was some type of royalty. We know from Luke that he calls him most excellent, which implies that there was some royalty or maybe he was some kind of high Roman official of some sort. Scholars also believe that Luke was a slave to uh, Theophilus. Theophilus was his master. And it's very possible that, that, that Luke was his servant and Luke was a doctor. Now, in those days, that would not be a very uncommon thing. If you were wealthy enough, you would, uh, if you got sick, you didn't go to the ER, you didn't go to the urgent care or whatever. If you were wealthy enough, you, you purchased a doctor. You owned a doctor, which I think we should get back to in these days. I mean, with the cost of HMO, I could buy my doctor, okay? If you're a doctor, you know I love you. Y'all prices is crazy. But so, it's very possible. So, a- amen, saints. We amen. protest the medical field. <laughs> so, in, in those days, I mean, it was probably cheaper. So, and Luke's a smart guy. So, so, you know, at some time, though, Luke apparently shares the gospel with Theophilus. And then later, Theophilus sets Luke free to go with Paul and to travel with him on various mission trips as we find that out as we move forward through uh, the book of Acts. But the interesting thing that I want you to see uh, today is that Luke is writing to Theophilus and he's writing two very lengthy letters, if you will, the gospel of Luke in in the book of, uh, of Acts. He's writing two lengthy letters about Jesus, which I think is a very awesome thing, that Luke would go to this much trouble and this much detail to teach Theophilus about Jesus. I mean, would you do that? Would you go to that much trouble and that much detail to teach one man about this one man named Jesus? And you got to understand something. See, when Luke was writing the Gospel of Luke or Luke was writing the book of Acts, he did not know that he was writing the Bible. I mean, he wasn't like, you know, man, you know, I'm writing the Bible today. I better, like, make this good. Because, you know, this is like the Bible and like all of everybody will read it until Jesus comes back. I mean, he didn't know he was writing the Bible. He was just writing a letter to Theophilus about Jesus, writing a second letter to Theophilus about Jesus. Luke and Acts were written just to communicate the gospel of Jesus to one man. In other words, Luke cared so much about this man, Theophilus, as he traveled on missions, he meticulously recorded details, searching out eyewitnesses to give an account so that Theophilus would know the truth about God. I mean, think about that. When Luke would go through all of this just to reach one individual, which certainly begs the question, what are we willing to do to reach one individual? I mean, I know that we're willing to do a lot for the masses you know, if there's a crowd of people and, you know, there's time to share or there's time to do something. You know, yeah, I'm there because there's a crowd of people and it's awesome. But what are you willing to do? Listen to me close. What are you willing to do for one person? 
If God said, I want you to go to the other side of the world and preach the gospel to one person, would you be willing to do it? Luke did. He was an awesome guy. He wrote two long letters to one guy just to make him a more intelligent, strong believer. Well, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. I want you to notice this. Stay with me. I want you to look closely here because I want you to notice the order. Notice the doing and the teaching. Did you see that? This is always the order. When you look at the example of Jesus' life, this is exactly what he did. Jesus did and then he taught. In Luke's gospel, over and over, you can see all that Jesus did. Remember how he cast out evil spirits and he cleansed the lepers and the paralyzed man was let down through the roof while Jesus was teaching a Bible study? And Jesus did a great miracle as he healed the man. He healed the, 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 the faith of a centurion as he healed his servant. You might remember the story as Jesus stopped the funeral procession and raised the widow's son from the dead. He told the disciples to go and tell John, John, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor, well, the poor, they have the gospel preached to them. You see, all that Jesus did, but not all that, only all that Jesus did, but also what he taught. In Luke chapter 4, verse 32, it tells us the crowds in Galilee were amazed at his teaching for his message was with authority. You see, Jesus taught publicly through the parables and privately to the disciples. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. The operative word, watch this, is began to do and to teach. In other words, the book of Acts is an unfinished book. The book of Acts actually has a comma after it. It's an unfinished book. It's not closed yet. The book of Acts is a work continuing and has continued for 2,000 years. All over the world, the work of God is still continuing today. Do you know that Jesus is still healing people? Say amen, saints. Do you know that Jesus is still teaching people? There are still signs and wonders being done in the name of Jesus. Do you know between first and, or second and third service, I met a lady today out in the lobby area who had been struck by lightning. And they pronounced her dead at UNC Chapel Hill. That woman came to church today to show me that she's alive. Oh, y'all need to be clapping your hands for the Lord right there. I don't know what's wrong with you. God is still today. I told you last week of the miracles and the awesome things that I saw as I traveled through India. And that God did Many great and mighty works, and God is still all over the world, all over the world, in Africa, in Asia, and in China, and in India. Get the Calvary Missions magazine. All over the world, God is still doing miracles. The power of God is still working through the people of God. And they don't have anything. They don't have medicine, and they seem to be getting more accomplished with no money than we in the church in the United States get accomplished with money. It reminds me of a black mother who said to her son, she said, son, when you don't have no education, you just got to use your brains. (laughs) You understand? 
When you just got what you got, all I got is the Holy Spirit. All I have is God. All I have is Jesus. That's all I need. I just use that. And he does awesome and great things of all that he began to do and to teach and continues to happen until this day in which he was taken up. But before he was taken up, he presented himself alive. And after he suffered with many infallible proofs seen by men for 40 days and talking about the kingdom. Luke is the only writer that tells us for a 40-day period, Jesus appeared to the disciples. At many different times after Jesus rose from the grave, Jesus would appear to them. So Jesus would show up and leave. He would show up and leave. Gather in the upper room and Jesus just show up and leave. Walking on the road to a man, Jesus just show up and leave. Why? I think Jesus was trying to teach them something very practical, something that he told them, something he didn't want them to forget. What's that, Rodney? Remember he said, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. Jesus was trying to teach them. Jesus was trying to say, listen, guys, even when you don't think I'm there, I'm there. Thomas, oh, I don't believe it. He didn't rise from grave. I don't believe it. No, 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 no. Don't believe it. Thomas, take your hand sticking to my hand. Take your fist and stick it to my side. Don't be doubting, but believe. Boop, he's gone. I'm with you always. Over and over, many, many infallible proofs. After the resurrection, there were many convincing, at least 10 recorded appearances of Jesus post-resurrection in the scriptures as he appeared to the women after they left the tomb. Later, he would appear to the disciples in the upper room, as I mentioned, in the road to Emmaus and on Emmaus, and then 500 people at one time saw him. Many infallible proofs. But listen at this as I begin to close. One of the strongest of infallible proofs of the resurrection and the power of Jesus Christ is found in the fact that the disciples were changed and transformed by the power of God. Listen, you can't argue with fruit. When someone's life has been changed, you can't argue with that. When, when you knew me when I was in my BC days, that's before Christ, and I was doing whatever, fill in the blank. And then one day, January 23rd, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and now all of a sudden I'm changed. And here it has been 23 years later when they told me that I would cool off and I would stop being so excited about Jesus. I would love to tell those people, look at me now. I'm more excited about Jesus today, 23 years later, than the day I got saved. I'm more excited today than the day I got saved. Why? Because when you've been changed, listen, when you've been changed and affected by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's an infallible proof. You check it out. You look through the scriptures. You look at the disciples prior to pre-filling of the Holy Spirit. And then you check them out post-filling of the Holy Spirit. And these men were transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And these men went from fear to faith, from timidity to boldness, from doubters to believers, from scattered to unified, from cowards to martyrs, from depressed to joyous, all because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but they went one step further because all, underscore all, of the disciples gave their lives and died a martyr's death except for John. Because of this infallible proof of the resurrection, it was Stephen, the first martyr of the church, was stoned to death. And James, who was cut in half. And Matthias was tied down and vultures ate him alive. And Jude Thaddeus crucified and hung on the cross. And they shot him with arrows until he was dead. Nathaniel was skinned alive, and then they put him on the cross. Philip was hanged between pillars in the temple until he died. 
Andrew was crucified in Egypt. Matthew was flayed alive and then beheaded. Mark was drugged behind chariots until he died. Luke, the author of Acts and Luke, was crucified. James Alpheus was thrown from the roof of the temple and died. Thomas, at the age of 94, was impaled somewhere in India. Simon Zelotes, sawn in pieces while still alive. Peter was crucified upside down. But before Peter was crucified upside down, they brought his wife out and they crucified her. And then they took Peter and began to hang him on the cross right side up. And Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Crucify me upside down. And Paul the Apostle, as you well know, was beheaded in Rome. All for the sake of the gospel, this infallible proof. Might I tell you, these were radical, spirit-filled, on-fire Christians, which had nothing to do with all of these outward, external, extemporaneous things that we see in the church today. I am talking about a people who were on fire, who gave their lives as a martyr for Jesus Christ. If you want to talk to me about spirit-filled Christians, then let me see you give your life for the cause of Jesus Christ. You want to talk about being spirit-filled? Let me see you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. You want to talk to me about spirit-filled? Let me see you just die to your own self, which is your worst enemy, by the way. This is what I'm talking about. Someone once said, man may on occasion give his material possessions for that which he doubts, but man will never give his life except for that which he believes. You see, you'll give your life for that which you believe. This is what I'm talking about. As you study the book of Acts, and you'll see, because we got a journey to take together, it is awesome. These Christians will change your life and challenge you on a core level that you have never been challenged before. And the church, saints, if we are going to be powerful men and women of God, we are going to have to get to this place, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in the uttermost parts of the world. That word witness is the Greek word martyr. I'll tell you more about it next week. And Jesus... Forty days, Jesus talked to them about the kingdom, which, by the way, is the same thing that Jesus talked to them about when he was on earth in his earthly ministry. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.